for all of us, you know, at some point. And, uh, and worship is not about singing. Um, worship is not about a quality of voice. So many times we, we say, well, I just can't worship because I can't sing. How many of you have ever been there and said something similar to that? Or at least thought it so you say, I'm not going to sing out loud because I sound like a, a, a dying horse or something. Um, you know, we, we limit our ability to express to God the things that are going on inside of us because we, we label ourselves or we say, God, I can't do this because... And God is not interested in, in all of the excuses. Um, let, me just, let me just make you aware of this in case you didn't know this. God created you. <laughs> um, he knows what you sound like. Uh, he actually made you that way. On purpose. Aren't you glad that God makes things on purpose? You know, like ice cream, you know. Those are things, you know, but you, God made on purpose. You realize we actually place more value on worldly things than we do on an individual? Now, we live in a world that definitely does not value life. Um, that, you know, with, with our uh, number of, of children that are, are sacrificed every year to abortion, we do not value life. We value animals and things more than we do people. And we want you all to understand we stand on the side of life here. We believe that every single individual from the, the womb uh, to every individual walking on the earth today has value and meaning. Regardless of uh, the color of their skin or, or their sex, God created them. And we are uh, standing here today. We're here today worshiping a living God who made us unique. And I'm thankful I am so thankful that God did not make all of my children exactly like me because it would be a difficult house to be in. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, I'm thankful that God didn't make my wife like me. She is unique to herself, and, and we bring something very specific and unique to our household. And God made each one of you unique. Now, God made Miss Elaine. We talk about Miss Elaine a lot, you know. And, and it, part of it's because Miss Elaine is very vocal about um, her thoughts and feelings. You know, you get to, when you get to a certain age, you have, you have some privileges, right? You know, uh, Elaine, you know, Brother Jerry, um, you know, they're, they're not in a fight because Elaine's winning that battle on the... Uh, yeah, there's certain things you can't overcome. But, but both of them carry with them a, a realm of authority to them because, number one, they have walked this, this road, this life, you know, uh, near 85 years. And, and I won't tell you which one's 85 first, um, but, uh, um, <laughs> but, and they've walked with God. You know, Jerry, Brother Jerry has more experience walking with God probably than most people here that have been alive. And he has lots of great stories about that. You know, that's why for us in the leadership of our church, we have, we have from young to old, we have, a, a, we have this mixture because I believe that a church cannot make decisions without the voice of the, representing the, the entirety of the body. We need those voices. But God made them unique to who they are, and they bring such value. I love the things that Miss Elaine brings to the church. I love the things that uh, Jerry brings to the church. They're, they're so powerful and important. But I also love the things that Madison brings to the church, you know, when she's on the younger side of life. You know, I love the things that Tabitha brings to the church. You know, she's on the younger side. You know, and even in that, I love, you know, talking with Ellis, and, and he has his own unique perspective uh, on life. And, and people, you know, there was a time in the church that we did not value every voice. And there are still some churches that you have to reach a certain age before you have an opportunity to allow your voice to be heard. But I think we, we hurt ourselves when we limit God's uh, ability to express um, who we are in the midst of our body. 
I, I love Dave and Missy's little boy, Gabe. Uh, you know, there was, you know, I love his heart for, um, I remember the times that he just wanted to come up here and be prayed for. And he wanted, he wanted someone to lay, he wanted, me, he wanted me to lay hands on him and pray for him. Even though he was young, because that was, what, two years ago uh, at that point. And he recognized the, the power and the authority of a pastor, and he wanted that, that anointing on his life. You know, so if we only, if we don't recognize the value of every life, we, we short-circuit, we limit the, the full exposure of what God has brought us. Over the next couple of weeks, as we focus on worship, you're going to hear some other voices in the midst of my sermon. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be an impersonator trying out different voices, because I only have one, trust me, and, and it's, it's limited even in of itself, but it is what I have. But next week, uh, Meredith is going to come, and she's going to bring to you just some of her thoughts about worship and some of the, the motivations of her heart. And so I love uh, Meredith and what she brings and leading us in worship. Um, uh, she does a tremendous job, but I've asked her to come and to share from her heart some of those things. And there are going to be some different ones on the worship team. I'm giving you a heads up right now, because I haven't talked to you all about this, that I want you to come and during the message, you're going to bring some of, of the motivations of your heart for being part of a worship community. And so... Uh, uh, yeah, we might bring Gabriel up here. Don't, don't just sit there thinking I'm not watching you, bro- brother. Um, so, so we just have to understand God created us so unique and specific, and he wants to use you in a specific way. Worship is made better by all of you participating. I, I remember back a few months ago when we were doing our recorded services here and the worship team was coming and, and we recorded them doing it, but it was, it, was, it was good, but it's so much better that you're here. <laughs> um, you know, it was okay worshiping at, at my house, sitting on my, you know, my recliner, um, I, and it's not that I don't like that, but it's so much better when I'm surrounded by the body of Christ, and there is this fullness, this richness of expression. Um, even though I'm in the front row and I don't see your faces during worship, um, I do hear you, and, and I love the reverter, reverberation of the building as you begin to lift up your praise to God. So today we're going to start touching a little bit on a, on a foundation to enhance and increase our awareness of what God is placing upon us as a responsibility surrounding the topic of worship. So, it has been said, let me see here, um, that prayer is most often focused on the problem, praise most often, often focuses on the provision, and we have a duplication of the word here, because I've already given you the fill in there. Worship focuses on the provider. Prayer focuses on the problem. Praise uh, focuses on the provision. And worship on the provider. And really, this gives us a, a good synopsis of how m- many people approach um, each one of these topics. You know, we, we really separate prayer praise, and worship into their own categories. Even, it's even been said many times, you know, during, you know, during a worship service that this is the praise portion, and this is the, the, uh, the uh, you know, worship portion, and this is the prayer time, and, and we include all those things together. But, but I think what we're going to understand a little fuller today is really all of that tied together really links to God's concept of what worship is all about. So our primary focus today is going to give us a, give us a, a, a broad angle uh, view of what worship is all about. Now I'm sure it will only scratch the surface on the topic of worship, but I, but I hope, my, my goal is this. Do you, how many of you have an open mind? How many of you can learn? Now, most often i found most people can learn if they want to. 
Now, I've heard people say, and some of you may resemble this remark, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. How many of you have ever heard that or said that and acted that out? The reality is you can teach an old dog new tricks if that old dog wants to eat. If that old dog wants to to do something, you can accomplish those things. But the, the old dog has to want to. And really, the issue isn't that we can't learn, it's that we don't want to. It takes work. It takes work. And if you want to become proficient at something, it takes a lot of work. You know, they, they say that it, it takes 10,000 hours for someone to become a master at something. 10,000 hours. Now, somebody with your calculator, divide that in years for me. Um, just to give a, an estimate there, I didn't calculate that prior, but 10,000 hours for someone to master something. Who, who's got their calculator working on that for me? Ten years, if you spent 40 hours a week over the next 10 years, you would become a master at one subject. One subject. So how many of you realize that when it comes to the Christian walk, um, it's going to take us a while when there's, I mean, we just completed, you know, 10 weeks dealing with the Beatitudes. That was a, that was 12 scriptures. (laughs) And we focused 10 weeks on it. And, and if we can focus 10 weeks just on those 12 scriptures, the reality is for us to become a master at this uh, walk that God has called us into, it's going to take, if it takes 10,000 years for us to become a master at one thing, we're going to have to be lifelong learners when it comes to our Christian faith. When it comes to the, the, the core concepts of the scriptures, if we are going to become masters at this subject, it is going to take us spending our time digging into the Word. How many of you this week have spent 40 hours reading the scripture and studying it? I, I don't expect to see anybody, just so you all know. Uh, uh, but the reality is we don't spend that kind of time learning the Word. I've shared this with you all before. The average Christian spends 15 to 30 minutes a day reading the Word. 15 to 30 minutes a day. Now, if it's 40 hours a week over 10 years to become a master at at 15 to 30 minutes a day (laughs) over a lifetime, will we even touch the surface on what it will take for us to actually understand what walking with God is all about? And now we're trying to narrow that focus down and give us a broad spectrum view of what worship is all about. And let me just tell you, that in and of itself is going to be a challenge because today I'm going to, I'm going to give you several different scripture passages. We're going to have a, an opportunity to really reflect on these. But that in and of itself is going to be a limited view. It's going to be from my perspective and the study that I've done uh, over this last week. And I understand that of this, the average person takes away one thing from a sermon. The average person takes away one thing. And so we have, and if you don't take notes, that one thing really becomes even less. So I want to challenge you, take notes. We, we create a handout for you to be able to write down notes on, but it takes us as a having an effort to want to apply these principles to our life in order for change to actually happen. So let's open up with our first passage of Scripture, Psalm 96. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. It says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord 
in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. I'd like to jump over also into the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 15. It says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenges that it presents to us on a daily basis. Open up our minds to understand, our ears to hear, our eyes to see those things that your word has come to challenge us with today. We ask for this in your name. Amen. If I were to ask you to write down what you thought the most important thing our church has to do, what might you say? So give me some feedback. What is the most important thing our church has to do? Love people. We, we, we display it right here, right? Some of you can't read that, but loving people, or loving God, loving people. So that's, you know, that's good. Love people, most important thing. All right, what else? Constance. Pray for the congregation. Very good. Teach Jesus. Very good. Very good topics. Walk with God. Very good. All those things are very important. Constance. Yeah, pray for the sick. Absolutely. You know, there are some that might say increase the number of people we have attending church. Yeah, it's good. We prayed for a number of years that the average age of our uh, attendee would um, decrease. Now, that wasn't asking God to roll back the clock so that we were all younger. You understand that, right? We, we were praying that God would bring in, <laughs> some of you are saying, I'm in that line. Um, no, we, I don't want to go back. Let me just be honest with you. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to keep learning where I'm at, but I, I want us to understand that we prayed intentionally that God would bring in an influx of young families into the church. We spent several years praying and today, the fruit of that is we have several young families. So God does answer prayers. You know, we also prayed that, you know, we prayed that God would bring babies in. And, and a lot of our people got pregnant. Praise God for that. Are you, how many of you are getting in line for that next prayer session? <laughs> we're not having more babies. I'm, my wife might have been the hallelujah, but we're, we're going to love on more babies. We love loving on babies. That's why we serve in the nursery on Wednesdays. You know what? Um, I appreciate Paul and Donna coming out and, and helping us there, and we've got a couple other people coming out. But I love loving on babies. And if you are not, if you've never served in a nursery, if, if you have never taken the opportunity to love on babies, let me just tell you, you are missing out on some of the greatest, most rewarding times of ministry in the church. Um, I, I love being up there on a Wednesday, and, and we'll have Amalia and Luca. We haven't had Hudson yet. He's coming, though. Now, we did have him one, Sunday, one Wednesday. We did. Um, but he was a lot of fun, you know. But each one of these kids, you see their uniqueness. Sometimes Amalia just wants to sit on our laps. She, she's not the, you know, she's getting, she's branching out a little bit more. Where Luca, this, this young man is fearless, and he climbs on everything, and everything has to be played with. And, and by the time he's done, you know, there's stuff throughout the entire um, nursery. And it's wonderful. And, and, and Hudson is, you know, he doesn't play with everything, but he likes focusing on the thing that he has in front of him. Um, and he doesn't like someone to come and take what he's playing with, you know. And so, and you see the uniqueness of each one of these children, and you get to be part of that, and you get to love on them. God has called us to connect with kids. So we, we love on kids, but we prayed intentionally about these coming. So if we're going to pray that God would do something, whose responsibility is it to take care of them when they come? Yeah, that's right. So let me just tell, me, tell you all, if some of you were sing, you, praying about some of these young people coming into church, you better be signing up 
to love on them. You better be signing up to help and to serve because if you're praying for it and then that God does it and you say, well, that's their responsibility now. God's going to have to bring somebody in. No, you're here. <laughs> You've got to take care of those things. You know, we, we prayed that God would take care of our finances this year. Been a, it's been a weird year. But you know what? God has done it. We made, you know, we made some cuts along the way in our income, and um, uh, we are within like $300 of what's come into what we've spent this year. Um, and, and for the first, last month, for the first month, first month of this year, we actually um, were above budget in income. So, you know, we have prayed, we've been good stewards of the monies that have come through, and God has been faithful to take care of things. We've never worried one moment. Even through all the online stuff over three months, we didn't worry about anything. God takes care of his own. You know what? We have a, our goal back there of building this multi-purpose facility. Um, Michael went over next door today to the guys that play basketball, and uh, they were talking about, you know, a few more weeks, you know, playing out there, but that they're going to, they're looking for an inside place. They play every Saturday and Sunday morning at 730. Uh, uh, so they, they're, they're faithful attendees out there where, when the weather's good. And, and so, uh, but we, the, last week they actually brought us donuts that were here early. Um, because they wanted to say thank you for the use of the parking lot. And it was, it was wonderful. But, uh, you know, we... I'd love to be able to minister more to our community by having this gymnasium, which there aren't any in our area that are available for these guys to play in. So those are some of the reasons. that The multi-purpose facility, let me just tell you, we have so many things that rise up. So, oh, we need that. We need that now. We need that now. And, and I agree, we need it now. But is it the most important thing? All of these are worthy, and I believe that they're important. But I am convinced that, that worship must be the primary activity of the church. And I am not a singer for quality, but I am a worshiper. I love worship. I want us all to become individuals who love the expression of our worship to God. And heres I want to give you just a little basic understanding of some of the words that comprise this, this topic of worship. Sing, praise, bless, proclaim, ascribe, which means to give credit to, bring an offering, come into His courts with an offering, Tremble, confess, honor, exalt, revere, glorify, extol, acclaim. All of these words. There are just under 1,100 different words. Some variation of that, that describe the topic of worship in the Scriptures. 1,100 different ways that God tries to open our minds up to the topic of worship. You think he's trying to communicate something that is very powerful to us. Worship, as I understand it, includes activity which is focused on the direct praise and affirmation of God. It is not getting something out of God or bribing him with flattery or looking for a spiritual fix to liven an otherwise dull day. That is not worship. It, it is our hearts, mouths, souls, and bodies telling God directly that He is great and good and worthy of our deepest respect. Love-based fear and complete devotion. In our earlier passage that we were reading out of Psalm, notice the first four words of the psalm we read. What's it, what was, does someone remember what those four, four words were? Sing to the Lord. Not about the Lord. It reads, sing to the Lord. That makes all the difference. Sing to Him. Anyone can prattle on 
Anyone could allow themselves to just start rattling off about God out of the blue. Things, you know, that they think about. Things that they want to thank God for. Things that they need God to do. But singing to the Lord out of this this deep-seated devotion to God is more than just um, coming to God with your list of needs. It is more than coming to God with your list of complaints. How many of you have ever used prayer time as a time to voice all your complaints about what is not happening that you want done? Okay. Some of you have done that with the church. God, you know I told you that the church needs to be about this. As if God needs to listen to us. And God just sitting up there shaking his head, looking down on us and saying, well, you're the church. You need to get busy. Because sometimes the answer isn't God doing something new. It is us actually getting in the game. It's like we're having these, these uh, backseat drivers or, uh, you know, uh, sideline quarterbacks that can tell you how the game should be played or how somebody should drive. How many of you have ever done that? We act like we are in charge, the master. Now, I don't, I don't know how many hours I've spent driving. I probably have... And my time of driving have probably come close to 10,000 hours. And my children would tell you he's not a master of it yet. I am. If people would stay out of my way, there would be no issues. But the reality is everyone is going to see it from their perspective and limit your ability to become a master at something because they're going to think they know it better. And of course, we all think we need to share our opinion, right? Because we all have an opinion and it needs to be heard, right? How many of you have ever restrained yourself in sharing your opinion? How many has not? <laughs> and it gone poorly? See, we are, we are much better at sharing our opinion with everyone around us than withholding it. But sometimes the sharing of our opinions doesn't actually get to the core of the matter. It's because we're wanting it done our way. And we're not in charge. I made a decision a a number of years ago that when I turned something over to one of our leaders to run an area of ministry, um, I may bring some insight, I may bring some encouragement, but I'm not going to tell them how to do it. It They have to use their gifts and talents to do it their way. And it may be in those beginning stages there's a lot of bumps in the road. That's okay. I'd rather there be bumps in the road and people have some some issues about learning. I also don't bail people out when they make a mistake. I I let them figure their way out. Because they got there on their own, and the only way they're really going to learn is for them to figure out how to get to that next space. And so I'm never going to let them crash and burn. I'm going to keep an eye out to be there. But I also let them figure out how to do it. See, that's really what us in a relationship with God is all about. It is figuring out what it takes for us to enter into worship. And everybody's going to be different. I remember when I was in Bible college, I mean, I grew up in a small town just 45 minutes to an hour from here called West Alexandria. It's a farming community. I grew up with a farming mentality. You work hard um, and you play hard, you know. But when I went to college, I was very simple. I had a pair of boots, I had two pair of jeans, and I had a couple flannel shirts and t-shirts. They made me go out and buy some dress clothes. It's like, well, that's what these are. It's like, no, they were not. So I was not very creative in that. But then I'm in a room sharing, you know, I grew up, there were four boys and one girl in a three-bedroom ranch house. So we had a full home. So I'm in a, now I'm in a dormitory room, and there are, um, there are five guys in this um, three-room area of a dorm. And the guy that was sharing my half of the room was from Southern California. And he was a hard rocker, a Christian hard rocker. 
Now, I am not lying to you. There was this blaring going on. And he was in this quiet worship. And I'm thinking, I mean, I grew up on, on country music, on gospel music, and there was this screaming and gnashing of teeth is what it felt like. And this guy was in this intimate moment of worship. And for the first time in my life, I, I learned that peop, people can worship God in different ways. And it didn't matter how, I mean, I was in this room with him for an entire year, and I, and I never learned that. That still is not my, my cup of tea. But I grew an appreciation for it. I appreciated when I could leave the room during his time of worship. But, but he also, let me just tell you, he did not hang around when, when I put on my, my gospel music. He, he didn't hang around in it. Um, so, but we, we still survived in this moment. Tia knows this gentleman. Uh, she served with him for a number of years, and he's, he was, he's over the youth out in the, in the Mountain Plains region. But uh, we, were room, we made it through an entire year, and we survived understanding that we both worship differently. So you all are going to learn a level of worship that is going to allow full expression of who you are. I'm a very loud person. When you see me at a sporting event, I'm loud. I don't just sit there. I'm an, I'm an active participant. Now, this is one thing that I think God requires of us. If I can be an active participant during a sporting event, I should be an active participant during church. If in a sporting event I can stand and cheer and argue with a ref and, and tell a player they did a great job, I can stand and do the same with God, right? Now, I know that's a stretch for some of you, and I know some of you are loud, aggressive fans. I've been with some of you at events. I'm just, see, today this, this message is about challenging you to open your minds to what could be a new expressive moment in your life when it comes to worship. Quit limiting yourself by what is comfortable. I think we all need to learn every once in a while to get out of our comfort zone. <laughs> I remember when uh, dancing became a thing in the church years ago. Um, and, and I, you know, there's, a, there's several different dance moves that, uh, you know, are, are, are commissioned for the church. I'm not going to display those for you today. I tried a couple of them in my early years, and it was not, it was not pretty. It was not successful. So now I have my own little mode up here. You got to give me a good two to three feet because I move a lot. That's my dancing. I'm good with it. I don't need to add anything else to it. I'm okay. If God told me to do something, I would do it. But, but God and I have a regular conversation about that. But I had to be... Now, I would, when I grew up, I was very quiet in church. When I, now, I didn't get saved until I was 16. My first time ever being in a church was 16 years old. And I come in, and, and it was a Pentecostal church like this, and it was people raising their hands, and they were loud, and they were doing strange things, and I'm thinking, what in the world have I got myself into? And yet, it became something that I just, it, it intrigued me so much. It, it's like, these people really love what they're doing. So let me just tell you, one of the benefits of you learning to be, a, allowing yourself to be expressive in your worship to God and actually enjoying it is it a, literally affects every new person that's here watching that has never been part of anything like this before. Because if they see you enjoying yourself, they'll think, wow, this is okay. I, I may not understand it, but this is okay. You know, it's not like we're at a tennis match all the time, just going like this, quiet. You don't want to make a lot of noise. You know, we're in a golf match. They hush you. You know, this, we can be loud. I, I, I love interactions during a sermon. It's okay to open your mouth and say something to me. You know, I mean, not carry on a conversation about a football game. That's later. But I'm talking if you want to agree with me along the way. 
Here's something that I know that needs to happen for all of us. Our heads must make a connection with our hearts for us to truly reach a place where we proclaim our love for God out loud. And there is a gap between our heads and our heart that many of us never get beyond. Because the number one thing limiting us from actually becoming expressive in our worship is our head. Because we think, oh, that'll make me look stupid. We never say, we never ask that question when we're putting on a certain outfit. But when it comes to being expressive in our worship, we'll think, oh, God, that'll make me look stupid. I don't want to do that. So we need to get beyond the head, get to the heart, because out of the heart flows those important areas of life that truly need expression. You know, and the other thing, on the other side of this, there are, there, there's this group of people in the church that are very quiet and solemn, and then there's this group that are very loud and expressive. And they need loud and expressive. It's like they, they need that, that moment in the church that's going to make them feel alive. And that's also the wrong side. See, it's, it's okay to not be loud and expressive. As long as you are worshiping God from the very core element of your heart. Are you worshiping God? Some people become to that place of depending on that for a worship service to happen. And I want you to be, under, to be aware on this side of it as we get into some of this and we start understanding it and breaking it down that really that that is a portion of worship, but that does not really make the entirety of what worship is all about. So let me just give you briefly um, some different types of worship that I think will help us to get a good perspective moving forward. This isn't all of them. This is just a few. Number one is dance. Our, our opening psalm that we read really was one where they were, it was thought that they proclaimed as the Ark of the Covenant was being brought into Jerusalem for the first time. And, and the king, King David, literally was dancing in the streets as the Ark was coming in. Let's look at 2 Samuel 6, 12 through 15. And it says, Now David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the Ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and fattened a calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. While he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpet. There is, there is a level of freedom. Now, I am so thankful that God allows us to wear more than a linen ephod uh, in church. Yes, amen. And, you know, um, but you know what? That doesn't mean that there shouldn't be a level of celebration that comes forth that causes us to, to break out in a dance every once in a while. We need to be willing to dance before the Lord. Number two, music. Now, I'm under, wanting you to understand, music without singing is an expression of worship. Okay? Music without singing. Psalm 150, verses 3 through 5. I love our gifted musicians and what they can do. And, and really, this encompasses just a piece of that. It says, praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. We don't have any trumpet players yet. We're praying for them. Pray, praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Thank you, Lou. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. And Lou again. So, so we need to understand all of these different things. Instruments, it is important for us to be uh, individuals that understand that musical instruments and the ability to play them is so important for the expression of God in our church. We need people who are willing to use their talents to play a musical instrument. The temple was a noisy place during worship time. 
Some people act like church was of this quiet area. But there was worship going on in the house of God, clanging of cymbals, trumpets, tambourines, dancing. This was in the house of God. Now it changed when people got involved later on and started educating on what proper procedure for the church should be. And, and really it was people that began to limit the expression of, of, of worship in the church. Not God. God set it out pretty plainly from the very beginning. And when, when man got involved, they began to limit expression. But that wasn't God's idea. Number three, some of you are going to look at this word and you're going to say, huh? But uh, prose, it is the written word. It is not to be sung, but it is this, um, this ability to express um, praise to God through a reading. Genesis 1 is really a, a point of worship that can have profound um, expression in the church when it's read. But you can't make it sound pretty through making it rhyme or making it into a song. I mean, I'm sure somebody has some creative, but it's beautiful in and of itself when it's read. I've talked to Meredith, and one of the, thing, one of the pieces that I want to be part of our worship expression on a Sunday morning is the reading of Scripture on a regular basis, and that's something that she's going to start incorporating, because I believe that that is an element of worship that we need, because God's Word is so powerful in its presentation, and the things that it introduces into a worship service. Craftsmanship is the fourth and our final one for this morning. Exodus 35, starting at verse number 30, it says this, then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, and the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship. God says that this is a form of worship. And I, and I love Miss Jean and all the wood things that she has made for people in the church throughout the years. It is an act of worship. You know, God has, whatever God has given you to do, there is an element of worship that can come forth from it if you would dedicate it to God. God's given you the, that craftsmanship. You know, I remember back in the day when I went to school, we had a, a, a shop class. How many of you ever went to shop in school? Um, some of the younger kids, they don't have shop class anymore. Um, when I went to high school, I know it was a few years ago, I graduated high school in 1986. That was a couple years ago. But we had every, every person that went to school had shop and home ec. We had both. Now, home ec was a fun class you got to eat. So that was always fun. Um, shop was an interesting one because you get these, you have to make these, you have to do these projects and make something. It was, nothing that I ever made was one of those things that, you know, you felt like dad would really love hanging on a shelf somewhere for us to look at, you know. Um, but, you know, I made things, you know. I don't know that any of them are still alive today. Um, but, but you also learned, I learned that is not a, I'm not a craftsman in that area. Um, I can build things now a lot better than I used to, but, but I see what some people are able to build out of a few sticks, and I'm thinking, wow, and I had all this great product, you know, <laughs> and I came up with this. <laughs> so... Um, just want you to understand that craftsmanship is, is part of what God has created in the church. It goes on, Exodus 37, verses 6 through 9. Uh, he made the atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide. Then he made two cherubim out of hammered gold 
and at the ends of the cover. He made one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. At the two ends, he made them of one piece with the cover. The cherubim had their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim faced each other, looking toward the cover. Can you imagine making this stuff with the technology they had back then? Some of the equipment they had back then, and they, they created such amazing things. God said that craftsmanship is a form of worship that we should participate in. I think one of the most uh, separated pieces of a worship service that they don't realize, many of us don't realize is a part of worship is the, the word or is the topic of prayer. Prayer is an essential element that needs to be part of all that we do when it covers worship. It's actually said prayer is not a form of worship. It is worship, and all our forms should seek to be prayerful. So when we look at worship, worship is, a, is an, an element of communicating to God through the gifts and talents that we have, the things that, God, that we want God to know about us and our thoughts towards Him. Worship is truly declaring that God is the, the maker and the creator of heaven and earth, that, that we love Him from the very depth of our being. That's what worship is all about. And as I prepare to close, I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up. I'd like to do throne room again. And, and I'd like you to have an opportunity to practice some of the things that you've heard me share this morning. The famed Archbishop William Temple wrote these words to summarize worship. Worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience by His holiness, the nourishment of the mind with His truth, the purifying of imagination by His beauty, the opening of the heart to His love, the surrender of will to His purpose, and all this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which nature is capable. Simply put, worship honors God in spirit, sound, strength of mind and body. Worship takes all that we have and gives it over to God. And so as we enter into this, this concluding time of worship, I invite you to use that opening thing that I ask you about, which is to have an open mind during the presentation of the message. Now this is your opportunity to put it into practice. As we begin to worship God in this song, I desire for you to be able to experience a new piece of who God is for you. I, I know this to be true. God is so much more, is so much bigger than we ever give Him credit to be in our lives. We keep God in a, con, in a control box that we say, God, you can go this far and no further. And yet God's saying, let, let me out of the box and let me be who I want to be. And so whether you want to stand or kneel or whatever is, is being opened up to you here this morning, I want to invite you to experience God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I pray for open minds. I pray for expression. I pray for worship to take place today that truly allows your presence to be magnified in this place, to fill. May there be a weightiness to the time that we spend here, sensing your overwhelming, amazing presence. Receive our worship today, our offering of worship to you. We ask for this in your name. Amen.
Allow God to use you this morning if there is an expression of worship. Allow Him to uh, move through you with a new song if that's part of God's process in you. Just, uh, just keep worshiping in this moment. Linger in it here for a moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, each one had six wings. And with two He covered His faith, and with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of, an unclean, of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Us. Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitants. The houses are without a man. The land is utterly destroyed. The Lord has removed men far, from a, far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. But yet a tenth will be in it. 
and will return and be for consuming, and a terebinth tree for an oak, whose stump remains when it is cut down. So the holy seed shall be its stump. As we read this so many times, we stop after that beginning piece. But God wants us to understand that there are times that the hearts of man are hardened. And there is coming a time where some are allowed to be taken away. But we have an opportunity for that seed has not been destroyed. But it is our responsibility to enter in and engage God and allow the full expression of worship as He has deemed it. So wherever you're at this week, when God puts it on your heart to worship Him, worship Him in spirit and in truth, for so God is looking for individuals that worship Him that way. Church, we have an opportunity to make a statement for God in the midst of all the things happening. Let us worship Him. This time we're going to wait upon you for our morning tithes and offerings. As we shared earlier, offering is part of our worship service. It is not just the bringing of tithe. It is our worship of God through the giving. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to give. I pray your blessing on this offering. Multiply it. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Thank you for your provision. We ask for your blessing on these things in your name. Amen. At this time, Tabitha is going to come while they're receiving that offering. She has a brief announcement for us here on uh, our fall uh, camp. officially a youth event so they have scheduled a fall camp it will be the last weekend of october it'll just be friday saturday sunday we'll take the kids up to camp machindo we'll have worship services we'll have stuff for the kids and then um we'll drive back on sunday afternoon so if you guys can let us know what kids are going to be coming and let us know by next week hopefully by next week um if you want your kid or if your kids can come. Uh, it will just, this one, I'm sorry, the younger ones, this one is just the, the youth, the teen camp. Um, but yes, please let us know. Uh, we would probably need, we would leave the church noon to one-ish on the 30th. And then we would be back on Sunday the 1st around probably mid-afternoon, evening. So please let us know by next week so that we can get things squared away, finances and all that stuff. So thanks, guys. All righty. So we're excited about some things coming up. There's going to be some more activities coming up. Uh, we're working on planning some uh, uh, bonfires um, coming up over the next couple weeks. Um, All right, so we have moved the men's Tuesday night session to a Sunday night. Next Sunday, 6 o'clock, we have a huge task ahead of us. We actually have some tremendous discussion around the Scripture. Um, and it, we, we've tried to take on several chapters at a time. Um, this time it's even going to be bigger, but we can do it. We're going to be here for several hours. So come out on next Sunday night. It's going to be a great time of fellowship. You can bring a snack if you want to, and you can have food. Bring your, bring your own, your Bible study food items. How's that? So pray. Olives and fish, yeah. Well, maybe something besides olives and fish. So it's true. So all righty. So all men are welcome next uh, next Sunday night for that. But we're also going to have some, some bonfires coming up as the weather's cooling down. We're going to have some get-togethers. And if you'd like to be part of organizing some of those, please see me. So God bless you. Love on one another.
just a traditional tradition. Thank you. 